0: Listeners, this is the Filmed in Canada podcast. I'm William Lee. Um, Alexander's joining us by satellite or internet. Uh, and Chris is also here. We're covering the Vancouver International Film Festival 2017. And we've been seeing a bunch of films. So here's a short episode. We're going to tell you about the things we've been seeing. Um, again, I'm William Lee. Over there is Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, William. And Alexander is joining us uh, via internet.
1: Hello, hello.
0: Let's, How's uh, everybody doing? I'm doing okay. I hope you're doing well, too, Alexander. Um, you have a busy schedule today, so why don't we start with you? Do you want to tell us a little bit about the exciting things you've been seeing at the uh, VIF?
1: Yes. A um, couple of things to touch on. I, I mentioned in our lead-in episode that I was looking forward to Sofia Bodanowitz's new feature, um, Maison du Bonheur. Last year, she had Never Eat Alone at the festival, and uh, I know I quite enjoyed that. I don't, I don't think you had a chance to see it, William, but uh, she won the Emerging Canadian Director Award for that. And Maison du Bonheur is different, but similar in a lot of ways as well. It, it also tells a story of a uh, an elderly matriarch, I guess you could say, and. Uh, basically, she went to Paris for, I think it was four weeks, to shoot uh, um, basically an hour-long documentary of which she had to cut down from only 90 minutes of footage that she had in total because she basically, the funding that she got was enough to secure 90 minutes worth of 16 of, uh, millimeter film. And um, she basically just put together what she could from that. And um, it's it's quite interesting. It's, it's a story of... Um, of a woman who grew up in Paris and worked as—forgetting um, the word—but she worked um, as issues an astrologer, and um, so the, the, the documentary doesn't get too much into that. But it's more just about her living her life as um, as kind of a solitary woman in her uh, in her later stages of life, which is again why I was kind of thinking similar to Never Eat Alone last year, and, um, I don't know, I, w- I was kind of conflicted in terms of how her character presents herself, and was kind of feeling it might be a bit disingenuous in terms of the image that she's trying to present, but other than that, I guess the image that is presented is fully formed and and uh, true to what what she wants to put across, which I guess is what a documentary should attempt to do if it's, if it's examining its, if its subject objectively. So, um, yeah, that was a good one. And um, interesting sort of thematic continuation of uh, what she's doing in terms of how it relates to her past work. Um, I don't know, did you guys get a chance to see that one or no?
2: Uh, not yet.
1: I didn't either. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. I know you're both intending to see Meditation Park. Is that accurate?
2: Yes, I am on the bill for Wednesday of next week.
1: Nice. And William?
0: Yeah, I'm going to try for that uh, that last evening show as well.
1: Okay, cool. Well, I won't say too much then. We can try and
0: yeah, maybe for root, uh, loop
1: background on that yeah, at the, the end of the festival. But um, just for anyone who might be on the fence for that one, I, uh, I did quite enjoy it and. Would be worth trying to make it to that Wednesday screening. Although I'm sure it will be sold out. The the, the one earlier in the festival was uh, was quite packed, and even the pass holder line was around the corner. So, okay, um, it seems like there's been some good good attention and good traction on that one.
0: Um, any, um, anything else that uh, you saw that still has upcoming screenings?
1: I don't know. I know that failed to to appear, which I quite liked. Definitely does not have any upcoming screenings unless it comes back in the um, in the editions after the festival. Although I doubt it will, just because it's kind of a fairly uh, low key movie and, and not necessarily something that would attract large audiences. It's about a, um, a social worker, a caseworker, who's just kind of attempting to. She's new to her job, and she's attempting to help a gentleman with schizophrenia deal with uh, some theft charges that he is uh, going through the courts with and um, really really understated well played uh, well acted I, I, I got the sense that some of the actors were actually um, caseworkers in Toronto or uh, the main the main character with, with schizophrenia I, got, I get the sense that he was kind of a non actor or or actually did have schizophrenia something like that uh, just his performance was just very naturalistic. Um, but that one was, was quite interesting and would be worth checking out if it does come back or if it yeah. tours around in, in any other capacity later in the year.
0: I think uh, there's, uh, there's a movie called The Crescent. It has has uh, some upcoming screenings, but uh, the poster image for that looks interesting. Did you get a chance to see uh, The Crescent ahead of time?
1: I, I have gotten through about half of it on the flight yesterday. Um haven't completed it, but it is... Uh, quite interesting it's it's kind of a it seems like it's setting up a bit of a haunted house horror film Um, maybe not haunted but it's hard to tell if there are supernatural elements or if it's just creepy people in this town but um, the visual elements are really striking because there's um, I I forget what the technique is called but I think it's called marbling where like the you pour oils and paints on like a liquid surface and then and then pull nails through it so that it creates these sort of uh, wavy patterns. Okay. And so the main character in the movie does this marbling, and so there's just kind of like creepy unsettling score over top of um, like these spoils moving across the screen. And so there's just some interesting abstract imagery along with the horror elements. So i um, looking forward to finishing that one. But, um, yeah, from what I saw, it definitely would be worth um, seeing in full, I suppose.
0: Anything else uh, that's worth mentioning on your end? Or even anything uh, non-Canadian?
1: Yeah, in terms of non-Canadian stuff, uh, In the Fade was actually really interesting. It's a revenge drama, so to speak, about uh, a woman whose husband and son die in a bomb explosion in... um, Berlin, Germany, and it's contemporarily set um, and it's revealed that the bombers were uh, neo-Nazis and um, her, her husband was, um, was of some Middle Eastern descent, so it was a targeted attack and um, they go through the uh, court proceedings and obviously given that it's billed as a revenge thriller you can assume safely that the um, the defendants do not uh, are found not guilty, and therefore the um, the wife slash mother decides to take the law into her own her own hands, so to speak. Um, I've seen it de- de- described as kind of heavy handed or um, just kind of a typical thriller, that kind of thing. But what I found interesting was that it actually spends a lot of time on the court proceeding and, and just sets up how how many things had to go wrong in order for it to get to this revenge side of things. And then the, and then the revenge story really only takes about, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes of the running time. But um, another interesting aspect of it was uh, I'm a, a big fan of uh, the band Queens of the Stone Age and the, the main singer-slash-songwriter-slash-guitarist in the band, Josh Homme, he actually wrote the score for the film and um, there's some Queens of the Stone Age music featured in the movie as well. And the title is actually based off of a Queens of the Stone Age song called In the Pit." So lots of tie-ins there.
0: Okay. Thank you, Alexander, for that uh, report on those movies. Um, I'll let you go, and we'll catch up uh, post-fest and uh, talk about a whole bunch more. Um, Sounds good. Great.
2: Happy festing, Alexander.
1: All right, you too. Thanks, Chris. So, Chris, how
0: is the festival going for you?
2: Uh, I am six for six so far. I have seen six films uh, and I have loved all of them. Wow, so that is, uh, I don't get those numbers any other time I watch movies. So I am delighted and I hope to keep this going.
0: Fantastic. That yeah. is, that's, a, that's a good run. Uh, I've had a good stretch so far as well. Um, so let's talk about some things that uh, you and I have been seeing. Sure.
2: I don't think we've uh, doubled up on anything except for one title, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we haven't really checked in on um on each other's lists nope. so
0: well tell me something that's good luck lucky yeah i saw i saw that too <laughs> in fact uh, the uh we had an earlier um text posting on the website with some short reviews so that's one of them that uh, i uh, wrote something about um but we haven't talked about it it's uh so it's, it's filmed on the downtown east side in vancouver it's about people living in that neighborhood it's uh by first time feature Filmmaker? Um, I was really impressed with it.
2: Me too. I was... I think I actually was just... I found it so compelling that even things that didn't completely line up for me absolutely didn't matter. Where it succeeded, it succeeded so strongly for me that I just thought it was such a fantastic, strong movie. The cinematography was so inventive, so dynamic, the way that he shot things off of mirrors and through windows and off reflective surfaces, the way it was shot gave it such high production values where a lot of Canadian films and certainly a lot of locally shot Vancouver things have a very flat gray look to them. And I just thought the way the director shot this was incredibly inventive and it made it seem like a higher budget movie because he was not doing sort of a Kevin Smith put the camera on sticks push in but that's all that you're doing and it's not very creative I I, I was I knocked
0: agree. out by it I agree with you 100% on that I thought it was like from the get-go it was visually arresting it
2: absolutely was, yeah.
0: and uh I'm of the mind now that I think Vancouver as as like a backdrop for films is kind of dull like I'm not I'm not so interested in seeing the city anymore yeah. uh, other than to like Recognize landmarks and say like, oh, well, it's interesting that they shot there. Right. But this one, I I just liked looking at it. It was oh, it was interesting. Absolutely. Um, it could have been black and white, and I think it, I would have been. Uh, it might have been even better because I think it's just it was just so much. Not about recognizing the 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 actual places. It was just like uh, how these characters occupied those spaces. It was really good.
2: And I would say, just on a technical level, the sound design. Was Sicario good? Sicario had very mm. advanced sound design, so you could hear, you know, dogs barking in the background. You could hear things. You could always hear TVs, um, traffic, car alarms, just city noise. And I just found the sound design so complementary to the five stories that we're following and what it is like to live, essentially, in an SRO in the downtown east side. Mm-hmm. It's not a peaceful, quiet place. To uh, to be
1: yeah,
0: I, I mentioned in my written review that I thought the the, the overall style of it sometimes felt uneven, but I, I don't mean that in a in a negative way. I I mean it was just interesting how it went from from one tone to another, mm-hmm. and uh, it it excited me. And yeah. uh, it was it was like the first time I saw something like uh, like a movie by Wong Kar Wai. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I saw Chunking Express, I was just like really thrilled by. Uh, about how loose it was with style, and and uh, and how how it just seemed to be having fun with uh, with cinema, and uh, that's kind of how I felt watching this. Like it was, it was like discovering a new voice or someone who, someone who like you know has um, has has distilled a bunch of other influences and made something out of it uh, that is that's just full of life.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, it reminded me. I mean, it's very fresh and doesn't. It not like anything else I've seen. The the closest thing would be uh, in 1969, uh, Haxel Wexler, who was a cinematographer, DOP in the 60s, uh, made a movie called Medium Cool with Robert Forrester. And he shot it during the 1968 Chicago Democratic Convention. And so he mixed a fictional story with non-fictional events and had the cinema verite style that was used non-actors, non-professional actors melding in with the Hollywood cast that he had, and that's the close. That's the only thing that's even remotely like this movie, where you take five people residents of the downtown east side, and I, they're credited with the writing. So it's obviously stories. It could be their their personal stories within this sort of fictional world of uh, Vancouver during the 2010 Olympics.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, on that, um, my only criticism of it is that conceit of like setting it during the last days of the Olympics. Um, and I think it's supposed to take place on one day.
2: I think so. Okay. I didn't think
0: that was pulled off very well. Um, I wasn't convinced that, that this was during the Olympics and I wasn't convinced that this was happening in, in like one contained timeline like that. Right. Um, so I think that was maybe, uh, maybe a bit of an overreach in terms of concept. Um, I don't think it, um, I don't think it adds anything particularly um, to the to the story and themes to say that it's um, in the last hours of the Olympics. Um, right. So I don't know if that was necessary, um, but the, a minor uh, criticism on my part. Did you have any problem with that? Uh,
2: I felt like it didn't necessarily need to take place during the 2010 Olympics, okay. and I would say that my only <laughs> my only criticism of the film was I found that the five real people were more effective actors than the people that were actors in the movie like the two cops uh eric's boss who uh you know tells him he can't take time off to go see his son so i found that the five people who are non-professional actors were the strongest actors in the movie
0: well i think they were like given enough uh enough space to like just Mm -hmm. their characters and i think that really carries over well yeah um well, we'll go back and forth on things we've seen then mm-hmm. um, I wanted to uh, I want to mention the party which is a new movie by right. director Sally Potter um, and it, uh, it takes place uh, in a home um, the character played by Kristen Scott Thomas is uh, a politician who uh, she wants to throw a party to celebrate her uh, election victory and so um, her her husband and, uh, um, I think somebody's son is there uh, I might have to take that back anyway there's family members and friends who come to attend the party and uh, there's there's some grievances that have to be aired and uh, I just thought it was uh, a smart darkly comic um, movie and uh, the performances were great it's a, it's a great cast uh, Cillian Murphy and. Um,
2: Oh, uh, is Emily Blunt?
0: Emily Blunt in it. it? Yeah. Trisha
2: Clarkson. Yeah, saw on the poster. And
0: uh, <laughs> the husband is played by yeah.
2: an English I mean, guy.
0: Yeah, I could look at <laughs> my notes, but anyway, oh, <laughs> anyway, it us down for me to look at the notes. I'll, it was just, it was good. I don't typically like the dramas that take place in uh, in some upper crust home. I don't really like the dinner party movies, the din- dinner party dramas, but. But this one I enjoyed thoroughly.
2: Oh, okay. I haven't seen a Sally Potter movie probably since Orlando, so I've been mm. she's been off my radar for a while.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Watch out for this if it comes back. I think there was one more screening at the festival mm. at the end.
2: Okay. Uh, I have seen three documentaries. Sorry, two documentaries. Uh, Shut Up and Say Something, which is about spoken word artist Shane Cozen and keep talking which takes place in kodiak alaska and it is about the preservation of the alutic language both of those documentaries are incredibly strong very moving very powerful um, both female directors uh, one is based in chicago and uh, the other one is based here in vancouver but very effective very moving documentaries and i would recommend both of those I think there might be one more screening of Shut Up and Say Something. And Shane and his father were also at the screening I was at, so it was nice to do a little Q&A with Shane Cozen after the uh, film. Bring your tissues.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry, not not Shut Up and Say Something, the other one.
2: Uh, keep Talking? Keep
0: Talking, yeah. Is that an American
2: movie? Uh, it is an American movie, but it is about uh, Indigenous peoples in... Uh, Alaska, so I felt it was in keeping with the theme I was going for, which was uh, Indigenous voices and uh, and Canadian movies. So it does take place in Alaska, which technically could could be Canada given where it is geographically. Yeah.
0: When I first read the description about about Keep Talking. Um, I not paying attention. I was almost convinced it was a Canadian movie because Ooh, very it seems much so. like it yeah. seems like a topic that American filmmakers wouldn't necessarily have that kind of interest in, uh, yeah. or at least for, for American audiences, maybe they're not so interested in in um, the uh, the, situation, the situation of uh, of native peoples on on their territories.
2: But. Yeah, and for those who have a VIF catalog. Uh, one of the versions of the Viv catalog actually has a still from the movie on the cover, and that is a fourteen-year-old uh teenager named Sadie. And we get to she's one of the four people that we follow through the documentary, and she is she will absolutely touch your heart. It is so important for this community to reclaim their language in order to reclaim their culture and to understand the stories of their elders. One must speak a common language, and so this language preservation, uh, project to get all of the young people in Kodiak to start learning Alutic is very challenging, but, uh, very hopeful, very rewarding, and again, incredibly moving. And the director and two of the Alutic women we follow, uh, were also there in the sc- at the screening that I was at and, uh, answered a few questions from the audience. And it was really great to hear what they had to say as well. It was heavily workshopped because, uh, you have an outsider coming in to tell an indigenous story. And so she was very sensitive to how the community was reacting. So she would have to keep on having screenings like, okay, here's the first 30 minutes. Here's 45 minutes. Does everyone agree that this has been portrayed in a sensitive way? Does everyone feel okay? So it was very much a a movie made with the community's uh, input, but also the community's approval.
0: Um, a movie I saw which I guess has uh, lower stakes than the ones you've been talking about, but I, I thought it was um, both, uh, both timely and timeless, mm. um, is uh on Juliet, which is um, by director Kim Gwen. It was shot in Montreal and Morocco, but it's about uh, an American surveillance worker. His job is to uh, use these remote-controlled robots to patrol an oil patch in North Africa, and
2: is this, r- this is a real thing. That it sounds
0: like it could be a real thing, doesn't it? Wow.
2: Okay. It? Yeah. It, surveying the workers to make sure the productivity is high, like was surveying he's, what? Uh,
0: he's he's watching out for uh, like problems on their pipeline. Oh, like, I see. Okay. You know, like people people. Um, Tapping into it, I guess, is one of the big problems. Okay. But I guess you could—I guess conceivably—you could just say people trespassing on it, right? right? But okay. you don't have to hire people to, to patrol. You can just uh, uh, remote control these robots. It. Now, I've never heard of it before. The way that it comes across in the movie, it is convincing. You, you believe like I guess this does exist. So, um, you know, uh, credit to the filmmakers—they—they they made something that is completely plausible. And uh, and now I think maybe it does exist. Wow. So he's he's uh, surveilling at a distance uh, this this uh, oil pipeline, and he keeps uh, seeing this girl show up um, at the edge of the territory, and uh, and he finds out that uh, she's trying to, uh, um, well she's planning to run away with her boyfriend because because uh, she's going to be uh, uh, forced into an arranged marriage, and um, and so uh, he, the uh, protagonist uh, he feels like. He wants to help this couple, this young couple, um, and he gets involved in their lives. But uh, but he speaks to them through this remote control robot. Um, so it's uh, it's it's kind of a love story. It kind of has something to say about our um, our current society and how we're you know we it's hard to make connections with people in real
2: life. Right.
0: But it doesn't it doesn't really um, overplay its hand in in terms of like making a statement about that stuff. It just presents characters who are living in this type of situation and right. uh and so um so I, I don't think it comes across as a political statement or anything it's just it's just a story about people trying to connect so it was uh it is visually quite interesting there's a, one um i think i made the i made comments before to uh, i think alexander about how canadian dramas especially tv dramas they have like stock Kind of shots, like yeah. they're just they're just they're just made up of walk and talk moments.
2: Yeah, right.
0: Right. And in this one, there's there's a very amusing take on a walk and talk because because oh. uh, two of the characters, um, uh, two of the coworkers at the surveillance company, um, they they uh, inspect the section of the pipeline and then they do a walk and talk, except that they're not in the same room. It's the robots. <laughs> it's the robots walking and talking. <laughs> and so it, and it was just a very amusing moment.
1: Oh,
2: great. Um, And it had good production values? Like, it looked pretty slick? Not, um...
0: I won't say slick, but it looked... You know, it looked like they, uh... It was, uh... Something substantial. I mean, there was location shooting in Morocco. Right. There's, uh... Um... I mean, I'm not sure what to say. It doesn't look cheap. But it looks, uh... You know, it looks... It looks like a low-budget American movie. Okay. Yeah.
2: And, um... Because I also saw two movies from Montreal that were Montreal-based that just, again, just looked great. Uh, yeah. that they just look like they had, not like a $30 million budget, but they just, I don't know, they look so much better than what what's often shot here in BC.
0: Is it because we recognize stuff I don't BC? know. Yeah, we just think, like, it probably know. You know, costs X amount of money to get that location. I don't know either. Um, I and Juliet was the movie we are talking about. It, there's another screening this weekend. I think it might be on the Saturday afternoon, so... Anyone, uh, if you get a chance to catch that, I'd recommend it. Uh.
2: I also saw The Divine Order, which was from Switzerland, about uh, women getting the vote in 1971. Very charming. It reminded me a little bit of uh, the movie Pride that came out a couple of years ago. So a feel-good movie, incredibly charming. Tattoos, uh, out of Montreal, is an incredibly authentic and great story about first love between uh, two punk rock teenagers. And worst case we're married is Leia Pool's new feature, and we talked about Leia Pool uh, in the last podcast, and it's fantastic.
1: Okay.
2: It's really um, <laughs> it's disturbing and wonderful. It reminded me a little bit of a Jodie Foster movie from 1980 with Scott Baio called Foxes. Wow. I think if you haven't been a teenage girl, which I'm pretty sure you haven't, I don't think you know the depth of our volcanic emotions. Uh, I can't speak for everyone, but even I, a sensible person, threw a shoe at my mom's head on my prom night. So, teenage girls are incredibly volcanic, and so we follow this volcanic 14-year-old, and the consequences of her her eruptions um, actually end up being deadly. So, fascinating, dark. Uh, but really well done, and the leads are fantastic.
0: Okay, um, I do have that on my list uh, oh, good. for the uh, coming for the good. second half of the fest. So great, I will I'll make an extra effort to get there. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then uh, I've got a number of Canadian movies set up for next week. Um, Unarmed versus, which is based in Toronto, Meditation Park. I hope to see with William on Wednesday. Uh, Our people will be healed, which is the same director as uh, the 270 Years of Resistance, and Sami Blood, which isn't Canadian but it is about the indigenous peoples of Sweden. So that should be interesting. I don't know anything about the Sami people of Sweden. And I'm hoping to also see uh, Ladybird, not Canadian, but uh, Greta Gerwig's uh, directorial debut. Mm.
0: Um, I've still got plenty of Canadian selections uh, that I want to check out, but in the second week I might see some other things. Uh, oh. Yeah, there's a, there's a martial arts movie called The Hidden Sword. Right.
1: I might try to get to. Yeah, that looks uh, pretty a interesting. a Japanese
0: comedy called A Beautiful Star. Yeah. Oh, I, um, I did see the new Michael Haneke movie, <gasps> Happy End. Yes. And, um, and I... Think it delivers in terms of what you want to see from Michael Hankey. Okay. Except that I don't think it's anything new from from that director. Um, so it it did feel like it was shades of a more and um, and Funny Games, much lighter than Funny Games. Um, <laughs> okay. Good. But, um, but but you know the examining like the, uh, the underbelly of uh, like that the, the under. The, the kind of brutal undercurrent of, uh, of families, especially are families. They, are these
2: privilege. also upper crust? They are. Yeah. So you've seen two chamber pieces about rich white people. <laughs> I think you um, like them more so. than you're admitting.
0: Maybe I, I mean guess, rich white people. Maybe I like them like <laughs> in in that aquarium setting. I like to observe them. And,
2: and are you going to move to Connecticut? <laughs> <laughs> or I guess it would be West Van would be the equivalent. I wish. <laughs> Just for our listeners that aren't uh, based in the Lower Mainland, West Van is for rich white people. <laughs> just to make that clear. <laughs> I
0: go there a lot to uh, to hike. But, Very uh, beautiful. So I just tromp on their backyards. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I've got to say right now. So we'll but uh, we'll be talking more after the fest.
2: Yeah, I'm having a hell of a lot of fun. I'm seeing such great movies. It is such a delight to be able to see things that I'm pretty sure most won't get it theatrical so this is a real treat for me to see such high quality movies that i don't know how i would ever see them after this festival though i do have to say if you do miss shut up and say something at this round i'm sure it will be picked up but it was also funded by the knowledge network so for sure it will air for free on the knowledge network uh, for those of you that miss it this round
0: good tip go to uh, the vif website if you want to Find out about films and showtimes, that's V-I-F-F uh, dot O-R-G. And uh, you can look for our other content. Uh, we might have some more short written reviews coming up. That'll be on our website, filmedincanada.net. Email us at uh, filmedincanada at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you again. If you, uh, Well, we'll talk at you again.
1: It
0: <laughs> seems to be a one-sided conversation. But, you know.
2: Well, happy festing, everyone.